At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is one of the most exciting days for NBA fans. The annual NBA draft going on in Brooklyn about to get started. We are here at McGonagall's Pub in Barrington. Want to thank him for inviting us out. Stacy King, not able to join us tonight. Stacy's having some health issues right now. We wish uh, Stacy the best. Hopefully he's going to be back with us next week on a broadcast. But we have his broadcast partner here, Adam Amin, kind enough to make the trip out to Barrington to join us. So Adam's going to fill us in on a lot of Bulls information. And as the picks go by, we'll give you some analysis of what we think uh, of the fit of some of the guys that are going to some of the tail-ender teams in the NBA. First of all, though, let's talk, Adam, about some of the trades that were made in the last couple of days, starting out with Bradley Beal. Washington is obviously going with a whole different uh, philosophy now. They're going to tear it down, sure. try to rebuild. They've got a new general manager, Michael Winger, and they decided that they can't go anywhere. They don't want to be stuck in the middle anymore. So Bradley Beal going to Phoenix to team up with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. What do you think of that? Uh, I was not surprised that Bradley Beal was able to get out. He has a, well, one of the few players in the NBA that had a no-trade clause, so essentially he gets to decide if and when he wants to go. It was a contract that I thought Washington was kind of hampered by for a, a long while, and they found a buyer. That was the other thing for Phoenix. Like Matt Ishby is a new owner for the Phoenix Suns, took over this past year for Robert Sarver after a lot of controversy and and up and down nature of what that front office was looking like and you know their harassment issues and things like that. So they get a new ownership group. They get Matt Ishby in as a billionaire. He's going to spend money. He wants to spend money. Played basketball in Michigan State, so he's got a philosophy of winning, and he comes from that background. So he's very intent on trying to create a team that can win a championship and look at the disappointment for Phoenix over the last two seasons alone. You know, even going back three years, you could probably go back to the bubble and they were hoping to make the playoffs when they had this really impressive run. It just fell short. So a lot of disappointment for that group for a while. So it's interesting to see what the change in philosophy has been for Phoenix. Their bench depth has been killed so far. So I'll be fascinated to see what they do with any type of picks that they get any type of free agency opportunities that they're going to have because they're going to have to spend on a lower scale. But I think Washington now looks like a rebuilding group. They have a whole new lineup for the t- for the time being. And again, I'm sure things will change in the next couple months. But it's a philosophy that makes things interesting because they were 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. We're competitive. That doesn't, it suddenly doesn't mean, you know, we're kind of writing Washington off. I don't think that means they're not going to be competitive this upcoming season. They're going to be a team that might fight for a play-in spot, much like the Bulls were this past season. Yeah, to match salary, they took on the final year contract of Chris Paul, the future Hall of Famer. But then if you missed it earlier today, Chris Paul was sent to the Golden State Warriors in exchange for Jordan Poole, who still has four years left on that big contract that he signed before last season. Before we talk more basketball, I'm going to say hello to Timmy Whispers, who lives right Hi, down Timmy the street. Whispers. And you told us that you live close enough that you can stumble home if you happen to maybe drink a little too much. That, that could happen tonight. Keep, keep that. That's, that's, a, that's a very subliminal message for everybody that's in the room, <laughs> and that if they want to hang out with Timmy yeah. and have a few. He'd crash at his yeah, house. Yeah, you yeah. Can, yeah, you can just yeah, stay cheers. over with him and the family. So. I, I do have some cots. I got some blow-up beds. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome <laughs> afterwards. So that's a very subliminal, yet maybe not so subtle message from Timmy to the audience. So, Whispers, you got a tab that's always open here? That's right. So that's right. <laughs> I gladly, just, just mention Whispers' name, yeah. I will gladly pay you on Tuesday for a cheeseburger today. Just, just tell them you're with Whispers' tab. I'm sure it's going to go over very well with everybody that's working. That, that is the key word, but now everyone knows. Of course, uh, blew the cover. Shinowski always blows co- blows the cover on this stuff. No kidding. As we mentioned, Stacy unfortunately not able to join us. He sends his regrets. We're hopefully going to have him join us via Zoom in a little bit to say hello and uh, answer some questions from the audience. But I remember Stacy back in the 1989 draft was one of the guys that was considered possibly to go number one. He wound up going number six to the Bulls. And he tells the great story about his uh, workout beforehand with the Bulls where he thought he was going up against uh, Dave Corzine, who had just recently retired in a one-on-one battle. And he said things got kind of physical underneath the basket. He started throwing elbows. And, and, he, and he said, come on, Corzine, get off me. And then he f- came to find out that it was actually Phil Jackson that he was scrimmaging with. <laughs> yeah. And the funny story about that was, if you recall your Bulls history, 1989, Doug Collins then was fired a couple of weeks later. And who became the coach? Phil, Phil Jackson. Jackson. So Stacy was always complaining, why did he get more playing time? It may go back to that pre-draft workout. So I, I don't know if Phil Jackson's the type of person to hold grudges, but if he is, I think that would be a main indica- indication of how <laughs> he holds those grudges. Stacy, I, I always laughed. You know, he has the famous line that he likes to dish out once in a while where the only people that could stop me as a rookie were exactly right. were the people on the bench and Phil Jackson was the main one. So yeah, Stacy was unbelievable playing at the University of Oklahoma. He led the nation in scoring. He was just un- unstoppable. And uh, you know, I thought he was might go number one in that draft. It turned out that Purvis Ellison was the number one pick in in that draft. But, you know, when you think about what Stacy accomplished at Oklahoma and then coming to the Bulls and getting three rings uh, he had a, a remarkable college career and then was fortunate to land in a situation where he could win right away. What was the draft that shocked you the most? Because you've covered a lot of them over mm-hmm. the course of your 
long career in Chicago specifically. What's the drafts like? Doesn't have to be necessarily a trade or a sign or, or anything like that. But what is the thing that sticks out the most from the drafts that you've covered that was probably as shocking as any? Well, the thing that was a shocking to me was when the Bulls got had a one point eight percent chance of getting the first pick. It was Rose in 08. They okay, got so Rose so the Rose, the Rose was the most shocking thing to you by far. Well, not in terms of you know a surprise pick or anything like that, but just the small odds the Bulls had to get that pick and to get the hometown kid was just remarkable. The the stars lined up very specifically. I mean, the, the story went that John Paxson wasn't even watching the draft because the Bulls had fallen, had dropped in the lottery the last couple of years. And so he said, why should I watch that? I'm, I'm tired of being disappointed. And his son came running up the stairs and like, you're in the, you're in the final three. They're going to commercial. And of course, as it turned out, the, the irony of that, the other two people in that shot were Dwayne Wade and Fred Hoiberg, who yep. were representing the Heat and the Timberwolves, which was kind of strange. Coincidentally enough, yeah. obviously, it would be very yeah. connected to the Bulls. So they ended up getting Derrick Rose. And of course, uh, you know, that led to some of the most exciting seasons in Bulls history until unfortunately Derrick got hurt. Yeah. And how about Cap Story? Uh about disrupting a draft. Yeah, if, if you co- <laughs> it didn't catch last week's episode, the, the famous story from the 1994 draft when the Bulls were rumored to be trading Scottie Pippen for Sean Kemp, and uh, David Kaplan was working in local radio and got wind of it and started uh, saying there was a report that the Bulls are going to make this trade, and the Seattle fan base was so up in arms about it that they threatened all to cancel their season tickets and basically go to the uh, Sonics offices and riot. So they, the owners called the general manager and said, we can't make this deal. So, then, so Cap, essentially, he's saying he blew, blew the, the trade. trade. Yeah. Well, he blew up the trade that would have sent Scottie Pippen to Seattle for Sean Kemp. And he said George Carl to this day is still upset about it. He ran into him and told him the story. And George Carl said, some asshole in Chicago <laughs> <laughs> told the press. And he goes, that asshole is me. <laughs> yeah, sure enough. Cap, I know, of course, Cap would be involved. Cap is like the Zelig of, uh, of Chicago sports broadcasters. He's always been seemingly connected with somebody or some kind of story. There's a lot of degrees of separation when it comes to David Kaplan. He is uh, right now the king of Chicago media. He's got his hand in just about everything. If you're following along live on YouTube, we welcome you. Say hello. We've got some people on the chat. If you have some questions about the draft, about the Bulls, uh, feel free to Put those in, and we'll try to get to some of those questions. Also, we'll try to get some questions from the audience here at McGonagall's before we're done. Uh, Commissioner Adam Stern, or Adam Stern, I'm combining it to Adam <laughs> Silver. Too, yeah. God rest your soul, David Stern. Adam Silver welcoming the fans over at the uh, Brooklyn location of the draft, and they're getting ready to announce Victor Wembenyama as the first pick. I'm sure you've seen some tape on this kid. How good do you think that he potentially can be? Because no one really knows. I mean, I remember – Ralph Sampson coming into the league at 7-3, and people thought this was going to be a whole new evolution in basketball. But Ralph Sampson didn't have the combination of ball handling and outside shooting that, that this young man has. I, I think there's uh, there's some potential here to be like a Dirk Nowitzki type of player. So when Dirk came into the league, Nowitzki, you know, I think LeBron has said this. I think other players around the league have said this. A lot of people think the most unguardable shot of all time was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's sky, right? right? And, and that's... Obviously, very fit, the famous image of him coming across the lane. He was so lengthy. He was so tall. You could not block the shot. And the second most unblockable shot in the NBA's history is Dirk Nowitzki's one-legged fadeaway because of his size, his reach. Wembenyama is 7'2", 7'3", 7'4", depending on which person is talking about him that day. And you cannot block what he puts up for the most part. It is near impossible because he's already, without jumping, he's already able to tower over guys and able to get reach over guys. And then you put them up against some of the elite shot blockers in the NBA. They don't have the ability to jump with him the way that 
you know, they might have with somebody a little bit bigger who is maybe not as spry, somebody who's a little bit more of a traditional five, because that's what you think of with guys over seven feet. You just assume that, well, they're going to play a five, even if they're a stretch five. Wembenyama is just a different type of player. It's a type of player that we haven't really seen over the course of the last, I mean, maybe ever, probably going back to guys like Ralph Sampson, who had the same type of body, but didn't have the same type of game that this guy has. So the uniqueness of what Wembenyama is might be enough just to separate him in a lot of different ways. I understand a lot of the concerns with his size. You know, he's not the the thickest guy. He's very skinny in the legs. He And he's talked about that. He said it doesn't really matter. I think other guys should try to play basketball with a little bit of a different body type. It doesn't always have to be a dominant physical capacity for, for a player to be really, really good. So I think all those things, the physical elements of what he brings to the table, the ball handling elements that he brings that are more guard-like than they are big-like, it's a unique player. Is he going to be the greatest player of all time? I don't know. I'm not, I don't think that's necessarily fair to put on him. I think it's more important to kind of look at him as a unique talent that may bring something that we've never seen before to the NBA, much like Nowitzki did, much like LeBron did, much like you know a player like Steph Curry or maybe even Klay Thompson, but more importantly, Curry, what those guys have brought to the table. I think that's what's more important with Wemben Young. And you think about the San Antonio Spurs. Of course, they had David Robinson, the Hall of Fame center, and then they had the one season where Robinson was injured, and they bottomed out, and they win the lottery and pick up Tim Duncan. And of course, that led to multiple championships, and now they have the good fortune of winning the lottery and getting Victor Wembanyama. And of course, the uh, former Spur, Tony Parker, a native of France, and, and I think that kind of gave uh, Victor the idea that you know he might like to come to San Antonio. And this is probably going to rejuvenate Pop's coaching career because he's at the age where you think, well, he's probably thinking about retiring. He may go on for several more years uh, with the possibility that this guy could develop into you know one of the best players in the league. I, ca- I, ta- I caught up with Greg uh, this past season. So uh, we had a friendly relationship when I was at ESPN, and, and he's always been very kind and, and gracious, especially away from the court. Whatever demeanor you might think of Greg Popovich on TV, it's not really that. Yeah, he's, you right. know, it's, it's more purposeful. It was the first time he said, and, and a lot of people around the organization said, it was the first time in a long time that Popovich was really enjoying coaching again. He was enjoying teaching again because that's what he is at heart, right? He wanted to develop and teach and grow a lot of these young players that we grew to appreciate as some of the best players that we've seen, at, mm-hmm. at least in the last 30 or 40 years, like a Tim Duncan, like a David Robinson, like a Parker, like a Manu Ginobili. He had Kawhi Leonard when Leonard was starting to come up as a young player before he got traded. So. I think it's the first time in a long time where he really felt rejuvenated about teaching the game. They were bad. The Spurs were really bad this year. They won 20, 22 games, something like that. But that was the point. They were they were trying to tank and they were trying to get their young players more opportunities. They traded away DeJounte Murray for that reason to try to get some depth back. They, you know, they, they still have an opportunity to get more talent in over the course of the next two years. There's no guarantee that they're suddenly going to be a 45-win team, right. even with Wembenyama. So... I think you're right. I think this rejuvenates Popovich. I think he could have another five to ten good years left in him before. And, and, and again, who knows what he wants to do going forward. But I feel like you're right. I think that is rejuvenated the organization. It's rejuvenated their fan base. And it's definitely rejuvenated Popovich. Speaking of rejuvenation, uh, Chris Paul thought he might be a Washington Wizard. And now he's going to the Golden State Warriors to team up with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. And all indications are that Draymond Green would like to stay with the Warriors and free agency. How does that fit with Chris Paul at 
38 years old, teaming up with Steph Curry. They both like the ball in their hands. Of course, you can run Steph off screens and you could you can make that work. But do you think Chris Paul comes off the bench with the Warriors? And I don't think so. I think it's a staggered lineup. I think I think we've seen this enough in the modern NBA where you have two guys that need to have the ball. It's it's when they're willing to defer. I, I right. think the biggest thing with point guards and and ball handlers, like main ball handlers in the NBA, most important thing is do the players around them trust them in a late game scenario to do the right thing ball wise? Because in Boston, you have Jason Tatum, who is a ball dominant guard, more of a shooting guard, but he's a ball dominant wing player and he needs the ball in his hands to be really, really effective. He doesn't have to have it necessarily from a point guard duty, but he needs to be able to take the shot. There is a trust factor when it comes to Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in those late game situations. You saw it in the playoffs. Marcus Smart ended up taking late game shots that didn't go down because teams were so hell bent on taking Jason Tatum away. And they did a pretty good job of that. You know, the Heat did a good job of that in their series. They were able to force guys to take shots that didn't want to take them. But the trust factor is still there for not only... Marcus Smart to know that you know Jason Tatum is going to need the ball late, but if he's not there, there's a trust factor to let these guys take shots. That, to me, does allow Steph Curry a little bit of pressure off of him. You still have Klay Thompson, and you have Chris Paul. All can take a big shot. All can make a big shot. Wiggins is still there. He's capable. I think they have options. The biggest thing in terms of fit to create it well is can do they know where to go with a two-minute game in a three-point contest? Do you know where the ball needs to go, what action needs to be run, and is it going to be in the right hands come four seconds, five seconds on the shot clock in one of the final four or five possessions of a game? And I think the Warriors can figure that out. I think they're a veteran enough team. And I think at this point, Chris Paul is just hell-bent on getting a title. I don't think he cares. I, I don't think there's ego there anymore. I think they're, in years past, he's you know with the Clippers, with the Rockets. It's been, I want this to be my team. I don't think that's the case anymore. And I think this is a run to try to get that that elusive championship in an otherwise Hall of Fame career. And as we're speaking, the first pick was just announced. Shocker. Victor <laughs> Wembenyama going to the San Antonio Spurs. And it was interesting seeing him walk up to the stage and give the uh, the bro hug to C- Commissioner Adam Silver. And there is a bit of a height disparity. But you know there. what? <laughs> the thing is, though, if you – Wembenyama makes everybody look small. Sure. Adam Silver is pretty tall, yes, all things is. considered, yeah. based on where he's standing compared to Victor Wembanyama. He made a lot of guys look small. <laughs> he made Shaq look a little bit small. That's you true. know, like there, there's a lot of it's. It's very. He makes. Do you see the picture of him with the the baseball in his hand? Yeah. He threw out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium the other day, and then he took a photo and like posted it of him right. holding a MLB baseball, and you can barely see the baseball because his his hands just cover so much of it. Of course, now the drama begins with the second pick. Will the Charlotte Hornets take Scoot Henderson, or will they go with Brandon Miller? And there's been that's kind of gone back and forth the last couple of days. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski had said that uh, it was going to be Brandon Miller, and then the odds in Vegas shifted that it's going to be Scoot Henderson. He's not really Scoot's not really a great fit in either Portland or Charlotte because they have such you know established guys at the point. But he's such an amazing talent that you hate to pass. I mean, when you pick that high in the draft, you have the mind that you're best to go with the best available and, for, and don't worry so much about what position they play. I think it's dependent on the year or two. You know, it, it's very much what your roster is made up of. Because if you have the luxury of taking the best available player, you want the best available player. But if you have holes that you have to plug, then you 
really have to look at whether this person fills a lot of needs. Now, that being said, that, that can also come back to haunt you because we've seen it in Chicago. We've seen it in other cities. It, it happens you know, all the time in drafts and various sports. But you go, oh, you passed up on this guy to go grab this guy. Part of it is the context of that particular draft and that particular personnel group when that draft takes place. You know, and it's, it's hard to – I always feel bad sometimes. I mean, not too bad, but I feel bad kind of looking back often and saying, well, this clearly didn't work or this trade didn't work out. It's like, yeah, but was it made with the right idea in mind? Was it made with the hope of fixing something that desperately needed to be fixed? Like I look at the Vucevic trade now. And it's very easy to say, well, the Magic won it. The Franz Wagner pick is easy to look at and be like, man, you could have had a player like a Franz Wagner. Right. So I understand why you, the assumption is, well, the trade, you know, the Orlando won the trade. But would you have made, still made that trade at the time? Like, it feels like, yes, you know, based on the circumstances, you probably still would have made that trade when given the opportunity to make that. So I always feel bad, like, evaluating trades on on the surface level or picks on a surface level, because there's a lot more that goes into these types of, of moves and these situations. I've been talking about it a lot with the bears this off season with Ryan Poles. Like he's doing the things that make sense logically for a football team. A lot of the, th the things that we see more often than not are logical moves that you're trying to make for the roster that you per you know currently have the personnel that you currently have. Victor being interviewed now on the national broadcast on, on ESPN. He's got some family members with him, uh, wiping away a few tears. And, you know, he, he's come across as an incredibly confident young man. But you got to remember, what is he, 19 years old, yeah. coming to mm -hmm. the States? And it's got to be a huge adjustment for him. And, and you know, Pop is, isn't going to go easy on him either. I mean, no. he, he's, he's going to make sure that, that, he, that he earns his minutes and, and plays the right way. I, I, I think that's, it, I, that's what's going to be fascinating is the relationship between Webinyama and Popovich. I also want to know how, what Timmy was like as, as a 19-year-old. Oh, uh, that's trouble. I'm sitting in jail. So. Okay, there you go. That's, that's, what I, that's what I wanted to know. I wanted to know that. And I'm going to hear the story about it later. <laughs> After yeah, we, Timmy has a few, then I'm going to get to know and understand. We what have Timmy's to change about. names and the story to protect some <laughs> of the a, other that's, people. That's fine. So. We'll, we'll, we'll blurt out, you know, whatever we have to do. So you grew up in this area, right, Tim? Yes, I did. And you were a high school star? Big star. Huge. <laughs> no. Mega Not sports really. star? Not really. Yeah. What was your best sport? <laughs> they called me splinters. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some folks out there have got some Tim Kelly stories. Uh, some gymnastics, some football, some soccer. Played a bunch of things, but that's why that's why Timmy's in such great shape now. Yeah, because right. he was a gymnast back in the day. I that's thought it was it the was. beer, but I don't know. Yeah, you, you, he was telling me he was on like a cleanse. That's right. You're on a cleanse that. recently. That's a rough thing to do. Um, you should try it someday. Oh gosh, <laughs> it sounds horrible. It sounds legitimately horrible. Yeah, Tim even tried to do some uh, MMA to try to get closer to his son, right? So that was the motivation with that? That was part of it, to, to get him involved. And um, that worked out well for him and bad for me. Yeah, that didn't <laughs> seem like physically that worked out great for, yeah. for you at all. Gosh. Yeah. So we're still waiting for the uh, the second pick to come. What do you, where, where, where are you, where's your head at with that with the second pick? Because there's been a, you know, the Miller-Henderson thing has been going on for a while now. You said it, the odds have shifted multiple times. I don't. You know, I, I don't know where it's what hard I would to project want. after, you know, Scoot Henderson's played a couple of years with the G League Ignite and Brandon Miller one year at Alabama. I saw maybe three or four Alabama games. I came away feeling like he's a nice prospect, but not. Oh, my God. You know, yeah. sometimes you see a college player and you go, 
this guy is going to like when I saw John Morant, my jaw just dropped. I'm like, of course. this this guy is is going to be a can't miss kind of type of talent. I but I, I I didn't really didn't really see that as much with Brandon Miller, and of course he had the the off the court issues, which I'm sure yeah. trouble some teams, especially with what we've seen with John Morant lately. Whoa. So it is. It's going to be Brandon, Brandon Miller, Miller going wow. second. Brandon Miller goes second to the Charlotte And the Hornets. irony of this is that we've been reading for the last couple of days that Michael Jordan, after selling the team, is going to be the one that makes the decision. I'll be, so it, which is, is, is MJ making odd. the pick for Brandon? Is, is this MJ saying, I want Brandon Miller? And, and why would he have you know, that right to do that and, and kind of stick? This, this guy, whoever they take it to, is going to be a face of the franchise, and yet you're walking away from the organization. And, of course, Mitch Kupchak is the general manager, another North Carolina guy yep. who Michael brought in, and you don't know what his future is going to be with the organization. I mean, Bob Myers is out there now in terms of uh, possible executives, so I'm sure there are going to be a lot of franchises that look at his track record at Golden State and all the winning that he did, and I'm sure he's going to demand a salary and a lot of resources to wherever he ends up going, but I can understand that too. He's He's got the track record that you want from an executive. I I guess I understand the Miller pick for Charlotte because of – Lamelo, but you know, so like, and they had the second pick. They had the pick before Portland. They still have Terry so. Rozier, uh, but you know, they they have been a strange team. You know, they brought in Gordon Hayward. They drafted PJ Washington. You know, they had Cody Zeller for a while. Uh, they they it's just an odd roster. And then but, Miles Bridges, of course, had the off the court issues where he didn't play at all last year. Yeah, I still feel like the roster is good though, and I think they've drafted well the last few years. That's a, that is one thing that kind of goes under the radar about Charlotte because. Nick Richards has turned out to be a really good pick this year after kind of slogging his way through his first couple of seasons at the NBA level. I thought Mark Williams was a really good young player. Stacy and I were really high on, on Williams as like one of the better young centers. He's not Walker Kessler. He's not like an all-defensive team in the NBA right out of the gate, but he was a really good defensive player at Duke. I think he was ACC Defensive Player of the Year, if I'm not mistaken. He was a really good shot blocker. He was a really good rebounder. He started to score a little bit more. Uh, I don't. I've liked the Washington pick. Uh, again, is it worthy of you know a top twelve pick? Maybe or maybe not. But it turned out to be a pretty solid pick. He's been a contributor to that team. They just haven't won a lot of games. So you don't think about them as winning players because they haven't won the games necessary for for you to change your perception of them. But talent wise, I actually think they've picked very very well over the last I would say four years. Yeah, it's been kind of strange. You know, they brought in some guys that look good from their college careers or previous NBA stops, and and nothing has really come together for them. And now. Now Michael's walking away. Of course, he made a killing on that. Do you see that? How much she sold it for? Three billion dollars. Ten yeah. times as much as he put in, or something <laughs> like that. Or twelve. Times. Everywhere he walks, he's got the Midas touch. And, and what then, did Scotty say about it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> then John Greenberg, our friend from the Athletic, wrote a story that Michael should come home and, and buy the Bulls. Uh, you know, given his track record as an executive, as an owner. I love Michael, greatest of all time. But do you really want him uh, calling the shots in ownership? I, I don't know. Like. Maybe he comes here and his ownership style or the resources are different. I, I don't know how to predict that. I don't want him to be the owner of the Bulls because I already have a very specific idea of him. I don't think of him that much as an executive. Right. 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 I think I understand that he is and has been for Charlotte for a long time now. I think of him because I'm from here, because it's the team I grew up with. Like to me, he's just the player. I don't even think about the Wizards years, you know, the, at, at the end of his career, even he, even though he had a an ownership stake, basically, is a player owner in a, in a sense for the Wizards. I don't think about that. That's that's kind of been disremember, you know, misremembered from my head. It's 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 disengaged from my memory as a Bulls fan. So I just like him as the player and the kind of avatar that he is for 
my childhood, for the team itself, all that stuff. I, I prefer him as that. I don't want to have to connect him in any way. You see that happen with like, you know, your favorite, you know, player as a as a kid on a baseball team becomes back and becomes the manager and doesn't do particularly well. That kind of sullies your view right. on on that person or that player. And I, I don't necessarily want that. That's just, that's just a. I'm not saying that's that's not a business answer. That's a very personal like preference for me that has nothing to do with the business basketball. If you are just listening to the podcast, we are recording from McGonagall's Pub in Barrington. I want to thank all the folks who come out to keep us company as we watch the NBA draft and as we approach the third selection. This was one of the spots where the Bulls had kind of come into play as a possible rumor that maybe they would trade a Zach Levine or some kind of package to move up to get Scoot Henderson because. We all know Adam and, and, and calling the games night after night that, that point guard with Lonzo Ball no longer able to play, it appears, uh, is a, definitely a position in need. But the, the Trailblazers are in a unique position. Damian Lillard wants veteran help around him so that they can make a jump and get into playoff contention next year. And the Trailblazers organization said, but Scoot Henderson could be a, you know, a perennial all-star yeah. down the road. I, I feel like the Russell Westbrook comparison is is pretty fun to think about. If you're looking for a more, uh, you know, for a younger comparison, I've, I've read the Colin Sexton comparison, and I'm, I've been a big fan of his since he was in Cleveland. Obviously, he's in Utah now and had a very solid season uh, working with that group. That Utah team improved a lot uh, to their credit, and a lot of the younger players that they have really developed well under a first-year head coach this year. So, I, I think that a player like him would be valuable to Portland to have as a kind of lead guard with Damian Lillard having, you know, not having to have the ball in his hands as often. The Bulls, if somehow, I mean, again, time is kind of running out at this moment for one of these big moves to be made. This would have been a great partner. I don't know if that's fair. You know, it's, you know it's, yeah, if, if right. I think it would have been a great trade partner if the Bulls were in you know had the chance to get the number three pick i just don't see it happening portland's coming up right now their and pick the bulls of course are owed a pick by the portland trailblazers yes. from that three-way uh lowry marketing trade from a couple of years back yep and we're waiting on the commissioner to announce the selection there's no Scoot question henderson, it's, yep. henderson. it's it's just a question of is he going to stay in portland will they right. try to make some deal later on i mean i, I just have this feeling damian lillard's going to wind up in miami you know i i it's it's kind of the point where where the NBA is starting to to trouble me with players not only saying they want to be traded but they dictate one or two teams that they want to go to and really handcuff the franchise for years to come. I, I predicted Lillard's going to end up in Miami for some kind of package, and you know it, it's it's unfortunate that these smaller markets aren't able to hang on to their stars because they're looking for either some elusive championship or, or to join some super team somewhere else. Well, I, I wonder though how you balance that because there's the idea of creating a franchise specifically just, you know, we have to win now, win now, win now. Then there's the teams that are trying to build for a long period of time. And then there are teams that like you're talking about with Portland that don't really have a lot of championship. See, you know, their ceiling for a championship is pretty low. Like they, there's not a lot of opportunity for this, for that, for that particular group. It feels like, from the outside looking in based on their front office turmoil the last couple of years, based on the personnel that they've had around Lillard, based on the injuries that they've had, like Yusuf Nurkic being out for you know almost two full years, basically feels like that's hamstrung that organization because he's a talented player who works well with Lillard, but there's no consistency there. They've made one deep playoff run. You know, I, I covered that team in 2019 that was, that made it to the conference finals and 
uh, had a lead in every game against Golden State and ended up getting swept in that series. They took Golden State to overtime in the fi- in the in game four and still ended up losing. It just doesn't feel like they're built for that. So how do you balance that as an organization and say, well, we have Damian Lillard. He said that he would like to compete for a championship here. We have a loyal fan base, but they're getting a little bit restless. What do you do? You know, and and listen, the Bulls feel shades of that right now. They're half the teams in the league have that feeling kind of over their organization right now because it is a what do you do at this moment type of league and there's no formula in the nba right now especially in adam silver's nba there are the parity level is much higher than it used to be we've had how many different champions in the last seven years or so right Right. ever since the golden state dynasty kind of not finished, but like was yeah, in its main it's five window. Five different champions in the last five. It's five years. and five, right? Yeah. So at this point, you're seeing some of the the parity kind of come back, and you can win in smaller markets if you sign the right players. I think it has a lot more to do with the shrewdness of front offices and capitalizing and jumping on the one time opportunity that you might have at the right trade deadline to say now is the time to make your move. Phoenix tried it; they fell a little bit short this year with Durant. You know, Milwaukee has done it by bringing players in at the, at the right time. Seemingly, Golden State did that. Uh, you know, the Lakers, they didn't win a title this year, but look what they did at the trade deadline. They felt like it was a good opportunity for them to capitalize, even though they had two major market uh, or two major uh, contract players on their roster in Davis and LeBron. Do you think this changes the whole view on the G League for players coming out of high school saying, I'm jumping to that and not going to a blue blood? Well, some of these programs now, they can get paid you know, mm-hmm. some decent money to play professionally before they go into the NBA draft. That's what we're going to be seeing, the two Thompson twins being taken, and they played a couple of years with the G League Ignite. And, you know, now I think there are other options like Overtime Elite where, where guys can make some money while they wait for the opportunity to be draft eligible. But, you know, guys will continue to go to college and try to go to those top programs and be featured there and maybe have a chance to win an NCAA championship ring. Um, but, you know, it, it's still a one-and-done kind of thing kind of uh, issue and now with the transfer portal guys are hopscotching all over the place I, i'm mm-hmm. sure it's a very difficult time for college coaches tim uh, tell the folks here what we got going on in terms of uh, the hot sauce and the potential to win a prize here yeah there's some uh, nice little prizes here a signed three pack of bottles and a signed ball from stacy and if you buy some uh, sauce over there you could win one of those there's a sticker under one of those bottles that'll get you one of these uh, prizes here and of course, you can always get some good hot sauce. Yeah, so Stacy's hot sauce now available in uh, your local Jewel Osco stores. This was a big deal for him. He was very excited about this the other day. Right? Yes. This is a big deal to get into Jewel. This is right. where I—I I mean, this is where I grew up going to for groceries. That's the Jewels. The Jewels. The Jewels. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this: I'm, I swear to you, I'm not getting paid for this. All right, I got—I got tossed into this late. We'll pull the curtain back a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Stacy calls me yesterday and asked me if I can jump on this because, again, he's under the weather. I hope he's feeling better because I, I, I adore the guy and I hate when he's not feeling good. I said, sure, I'll, I'll be happy to do it. I promise you I'm not getting paid for any, anything I'm, I'm about to say. I love the hot sauce. The barbecue sauce was shockingly one of my favorite things. I got a thumbs up there, so that means I'm not lying about this. The barbecue sauce was as impressive as anything I've tasted in a long time. You know, I love the green sauce. I like the barbecue sauce. I'm, I, I've already <laughs> stolen two boxes, and they're in the car right now. What did you think I came here for? I'm not getting paid. Like I said, I'm not getting paid for it. I will take the barbecue sauce. And even Christopher Walken is a fan. That's right. <laughs> tell the folks. Tell the folks who may not live in the Chicagoland area how they can get a bottle of. 
Well, Stacey first King's of all, thanks for thoughts. having me out to McGonagall's. I've never <laughs> been here before. This town is fantastic. How about I, the roadblocks they set up for you so you can make your way in here? Those were set up for me, Mark, to <laughs> keep the people out. Get the riffraff, right? Yes. And one of the deals right now, if you go online, you can get any bottle of the Super Hot, the 1871, that'll burn your eyeballs out of your sockets, or the barbecue by putting in the code 1871 or BBQ. Always like to have the uh, support of Christopher Walken. You never know he's what celebrity. Since day one, he's been a supporter of the <laughs> he's been a fixture of the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. Thanks, that's, since, that's, since day one, I Christopher get, Walken, I big get fan sauce of Give too. Me the Hot Sauce. Like Adam, I only get the sauce. Even our Irish impersonator Al Foran was impressed by Timmy. He was he that that's yeah. a big deal. I, I I feel like that really made Timmy's month more than anything else. <laughs> Give me the hot sauce.com. You can use the code King21 to get 21% off your first order. And for those of you looking for a, a new insurance man, or we'll talk say about our good buddy Jeff Vukovic when it comes to insurance for your auto home and business. Make sure you contact the king of insurance. That's our friend nationwide agent Jeff Vukovic. You can reach Jeff at jeffvuk.com. That's Jeff. VUK.com. We would sing the jingle, but if we did, Stacy would rise out of his bed and come over here and throw oh, punches. Adam's got it. No, 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 no. no. That, the, that can be an awkward moment when you're doing the broadcast, <laughs> and Stacy all of a sudden goes, "Okay, you take it." Here's the thing: he jumps it on you. Like I said, yeah. much like he jumped this on me yesterday. Like he, he'll just all of a sudden now goes, "All right, go ahead, you're taking it." Right. It happens once every forty-eight games. Yeah. And then I have to jump in and try to do the nationwide jingle. And it's a huge disappointment to everybody, rightfully so. Yeah. It's a huge disappointment. You want to hear Stacy do it. So I, I leave it to the man to try to handle it more than anything else. So. And how about uh, Jason and Steve Stone doing it every night? That, that's a tough hoop to jump through. It's a tough hoop to jump. I, I, did, I, try, I filled in uh, for Jason a couple times, obviously, the yeah. same way he fills in for me on the Bulls. Right. And I was with Steve. And he made like I, I tried to do it with, all, with both of them, and it did not go particularly well. And I had that kind of burned into my memory for the rest of the for the rest of the night, where Steve yeah. is just laughing at me attempting to do the nationwide jingle. So again, never. I, I'm not saying never again. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold back until like good moments to actually do it. Yeah, a while back, desperate, and by good I mean desperate moments to do it. Yes, we're completely. We have nobody else. Stacy's voice left in the second quarter. Now I have to do it. Yeah, a little while back he told the Sriracha crew to sing the jingle, and and they were just terrified. Then they gave it their best effort, and Stacy said that was hot. And, uh, and then, yeah, so <laughs> you, you can't win. So you, know, you no guys, what knew, you, do, you, you, you guys knew yourselves. You guys understood. Like you're like, we don't want to do this. We don't want to make. You, you got put on the spot. You don't want to do it. Stacy made you do it, and then you did it, and then he insulted you for doing it. <laughs> oh, we're sorry about that. He didn't really oh, say that. that. That was our guy, Nicky Knuckles. That's okay. J- Jason, Jason called me a lumberjack on a Sox broadcast because uh, sh- I was at a Sox game enjoying the, you know, it was a nice weather day. Right. So I went out and went to the Sox game, but I had a jacket on because if you go to Guaranteed Rate Field and you're in the shade, in the shade it's cold. Yeah, it like it's 10, 15 degrees colder. And that's a, I'm sure at any ballpark, but just you notice it at Guaranteed Rate because of how the, you know, it could be the fifth inning of a game. You can be 90 degrees if you're sitting on the third base side, but if you're on the first base side, it's going to feel like it's 60. Yeah. So I, w- I brought a flannel-like jacket, and they showed me on camera, which is nice, nice of the crew. And Jason, I found out, was basically saying, if you need a tree <laughs> cut down, Call here's Adam. your man. The lumberjack has come to the game. So I just, I don't think, I think that's my, that's my return to our buddy Jason, our buddies Jason and Steve. 
Talking about the jingle sticking in your head. Also, uh, you remember the Thompson Twins uh, whispers? Oh, I listen to them a lot. <laughs> Hold me now. Oh, so the a strong 1970s. So you could have done the jingle. Listen to that. The first uh, Thompson Twin is off the board. A uh, man Thompson, who was considered more the driver slasher type who can really get to the rim. These kids are 6'7". As I mentioned, they played a couple of years for the uh, overtime elite G League Ignite. Excuse me. And, you know, honestly, I haven't seen a lot of them play, but the clips I've seen, a uh, man especially looks like he's he's a good prospect. He's really attacked the basketball. You said you like John Morant, and that's one of the comparisons that you hear about Amen Thompson because like and his and his brother is more of like uh, like a, a stretch wing, maybe like a six seven, six eight type of yeah, wing player, more of a spot shoot, up shooter, more yeah. of a shooter. But Amen Thompson is the basket attacker. He's kind of a playmaker. He moves well without the basketball. Supposedly, he's the better defender. He's an all, you know, really good off. Or uh, sorry, Osar is the the more impressive defender. But Ahmed is apparently the better ball handler of that group. So he's, he's a more. Of a, he's guy. a dynamic point guard type player. So you know, this is this is a big pick for Houston to get. I am curious. Houston's got a lot of. They're guard heavy. You know? Yeah, it's a, kind of an odd choice. And then the rumors that James Harden might consider going back. I mean, in terms of roster construction, that's one of the things that happens to a lot of lottery teams. They load up on guys. There's a lot of duplication. All of a sudden, for the coach, how do you deal with minutes? Oklahoma City's. You, you, you had a game yeah. earlier this year where you saw the Thunder. You guys were talking. I remember watching from the road, watching the broadcast, and you guys were talking. You're showing the Thunder's picks over the course of the next, I think it's like seven or eight drafts going to like 2027, 2028. And what are they going to do with it? Like, they still haven't started to make too many moves. Now, I like their roster. I like Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I like Josh Giddy a lot. I'm a big fan of him. We still don't know what Chet Holmgren's going to look like as a player because he didn't get a chance to play. He got hurt before the season began last mm-hmm. year. What What are you getting from that? I'm not, I'm just curious. I'm not. It's not a criticism of the Thunder, and it's an interesting yeah. plan. At, at some point, you have to package those yeah. picks, or maybe with a young player and a couple of picks, and then try to get into the top three of the draft, or maybe acquire a veteran. And Oklahoma City just shocked everybody. I mean, Shea Gildos Alexander made a huge jump. You know, to, to be an all NBA player, player yeah. um, but they they're at the point there. Chet Holmgren is going to play this year. You know, at some point you've got to add some veterans to that mix to see if you can really become a force. Legitimate and legitimate veterans too. You can't just say, "Well, we're going to go get you know, a, like an Al Horford type." Not to say that Al Horford's not a legitimate player, but you need a ball dominant player that at some point can give you twenty points. That's a veteran, like. You know, there, there's guys out there, they're going to be looking for spots come trade deadline, and the Thunder are in it. If they're the seven seed, the six seed, I think it's that, that you have to strike while you have Shea Gildas at a good spot. You have Josh Giddy under a, a, a relatively easy contract. You have to do that stuff. The Detroit Pistons are at number five, and they had to be devastated. You know, they, they tied for the worst record in the league, and they fall to five in the lottery. You know, they have that exciting backcourt with Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. But the, the other Thompson twins just go? They would just went. Both of them went. So this is Detroit's pick now. Well, I think they've announced that. I think they're just showing the replay. Of, oh, okay. Of okay. But the, the Pistons pick them. is in. Yeah. I'm just waiting to see who but, they got. You know, that's a team that, that is really potentially interesting. Dangerous. You know, they got that Jalen Duran. Um, they picked up Wiseman in the trade with the Warriors. They still have uh, Bogdanovich. Marvin as well, Bagley. Boy. Yeah, Marvin I mean, it's, Bagley. It's a really the, interesting squad. Had they won the lottery... And gotten Wembenyama, that could have been a team that would 
potentially really been a force in the East very quickly. I, I agree with that. And I think this is what, you know, Stacy and I talked a lot about this over the course of the latter half of the season, especially because teams like Cleveland aren't going away. Now, did Cleveland turn out to be what you wanted them to be? Not necessarily. They're, they're, it may not have gotten to the point where, you, you know, they, they, you wanted them to win a playoff series to really feel like the investment they made in a Donovan Mitchell and what they've done in the draft and still having these bigger players is, is valuable. By the way, it is. Now it is Thompson, Thompson, the second Thompson twin went to Detroit. So now they're getting a really good defender, which they needed. That's actually a a nice pickup for them. But again, another team that's a little guard heavy right now. So they might have to play a little bit smaller compared to some of the other, you know, teams that are picking up guards for need. Right. They're going to have to play. they're, They're forced to play a little bit smaller unless they start to make some moves. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get to the point in the draft now where a lot of these guys are going to be developmental type players. I don't think there's anybody that walks in now is, is going to be a, a franchise type talent. And and that's one of the weaknesses of the draft is that so many kids come out at 19 years old after one year of college or playing for the G League Ignite or Overtime Elite, and they're, they're just not prepared no. for either the physicality or the demands of playing 82 NBA regular season games. That was the thing about uh, Wembenyama, too, because he played 70 games. Like, he played in a, France, a French professional league that has, like, a full-on schedule. So... Jumping to 82 games doesn't seem like that wild of a concept for for a player like Wembenyama. But yeah, like as you were saying, it, it takes a lot to all of a sudden try to jump from a 35, 40 game schedule, whatever it is that you play. Even if you're playing at a you know against other potential pros, it's still a lot to ask, and that, I think a lot of guys have trouble with that just in the second half of the year. You see that with rookies all the time in the second half of the season. Let's talk more about the Bulls. Obviously, uh, everyone here is hoping that they're going to do something to get into this draft. And the problem is, without, you know, they owe the Spurs a 25 first round pick in the, from the DeMar DeRozan sign and trade deal. And they just don't have a lot of draft capital that they can try to move to try to get into this first round. What would you like to see the Bulls, assuming they don't make a major rebuild? How can they tinker around the edges to make this more than a team that, that, just the ceiling as a, as a play-in squad. It's really hard because they are hamstrung by the Lonzo Ball contract for the moment. Again, it's, it's just a tough situation. You can't predict injury like that, but you know it's an unfortunate circumstance to be in. You're gonna, you still have Zach Levine's contract. You have one more year of DeMar DeRozan, and the word seemingly over the last couple of weeks has been Vucevic would like to stay, even if it's a, a, a somewhat of a discount. He said he, he would take a discount in a sense, to keep playing for the Bulls. It's still a 20 to $25 million commitment you're looking at. I mean, 20 to $22 million a year commitment that you're probably looking at for a player like Vooch, who still in this market commands that. You know, he's still, his shooting was, was not nearly as good two seasons ago. This past year, it kind of leveled back up to a more career-like spot. He was one of the top rebounders in the NBA, played every game. That's a big deal, obviously, you're, when you're, when you're, you're, especially when you're a team looking for health and consistency in, in personnel. So you still have a lot of money on the books. Now they lay the salary cap was raised what about three million yeah. compared to this past year. That'll give you a little bit of leeway. Derek Jones Jr. did not re-sign, so that's three and a half million dollars that's back on your books right now. So you can find some players that will make you better on the margins and you're still in a position where you can get Kobe White at somewhat of a discount on his next deal. You can get Io Dosumo on somewhat of a discount if you're fortunate enough to keep adding your depth. Williams is still under his rookie contract. So it's not like you don't have a ton of opportunity to try to grab a player or two, but you're only going to be able to get a significant piece, maybe two at most on the edges. So 
they both have to hit. You can't go out and sign a Goran Dragic and have him be off the roster by February. You can't sign Andre Dr- Dr- another Andre Drummond type and not play him. Again, I understand if, if the personnel is not working, that's fine. Don't sign a player like that. Then. That's not going to contribute in, in a full season in a significant role at that cheaper price. You can do that. There are players out there that are, that are available, but you have to scout them well and you have to pick the right ones. And you have to hope they hit. Unless you're going to blow it up or unless you're going to make a move for a Levine or a DeRozan type of contract right out of the gate, you just don't have the room to do it right now. Now, the Vucevic situation is very interesting because he's an unrestricted free agent, but the only teams that really have cap space are, are most of the rebuilding teams, you know, guys that really or teams that really would not have a need for a veteran like Nikola Vucevic. You're kind of walking a fine line there. You don't want to insult a veteran player who's performed well for you, but do you see a scenario where the, there's not a market for Vooch? And maybe the Bulls can get him at a really discounted price? I mean, that would that'd be a lot to ask. I, I do feel like that's a fair point, though. And again, he's already willing to take a little bit less money. Like, if, But, you know, you're you're hoping for an extra $2 million back on the books, right? That you don't have to pay Vucevic. Would he be willing to give back $6 million over a three-year deal? Because that does help you go get somebody for the next two seasons. That a Derrick Jones Jr. type in terms of price range and you're hoping that maybe they're a little bit younger or they're going to be a little bit more consistent in terms of contributions. So, like, the roster from one to eight is – or one to, like, six is fine. You know, Caruso, you can really go one to seven, assuming you get Kobe White and Io Dosumu back. Maybe now you say one to eight uh, you're feeling okay about. But after that, you still need to fill out nine and ten because you're going to have nights where, you know, some of those guys in the one through eight aren't going to play. You can't play an eight-man rotation for 82 games. So, you know, you have to hit – on your signees and if you do get the luxury of maybe getting a player like a Vucevic that says I'll take a little bit less money you can go sign one other player then yes that's certainly helpful the only way that happens is what you said Mark is if there's no market for him whatsoever the Orlando Magic are one of uh, several teams that have multiple picks in the first round they just made their first selection at number six they took the combo guard Anthony Black out of Arkansas so we'll see how he figures into that mix another team with a surplus of guards, you know, there's been some talk that maybe Jalen Suggs is available. He was a fantastic college player at Gonzaga. Would that be a player that maybe you'd be interested in seeing if the Bulls could could somehow acquire him? I would. Uh, you know, obviously he's had some big games against the Bulls. He had a big shot against them in November uh, to win a game uh, at the United Center. He is uh, a tough player that I think would, I think, get a lot of value from some tutelage of a player like a DeMar DeRozan, like Cole Anthony is the kind of the veteran on the Orlando Magic, right? And he's in his, what, he's going into like his sixth or seventh year or something like that now. That's not, you know, that you would love to have a player like that get a little bit more from a DeMar DeRozan type. In fact, we saw that, I think it wasn't, it was two seasons ago when Orlando had a win against the Bulls in Orlando. This is right after Alex Caruso got hurt uh, after the Grayson Allen incident. And, this is a game where the Magic played really well. Those young guys were barking a lot. And they were doing a lot of talking. And you saw DeMar DeRozan at one point go over to Jalen Suggs and be like, hey, you played a great game. Kind of, I'm obviously paraphrasing. I don't know exactly what was said. But it, it came off as like you right. played a great game. You know, be proud of yourself. But, hey, you got you to gotta kind of bring – you got to rein this in. You know, the, you're, you're meant to have a long career in the NBA. You're not trying to, you know, flame out in the first three years and try to make this the, your personality as an NBA player. Yeah, Stacey loves Suggs. And, and we yeah. both we're both yeah. huge fans. He was an incredible athlete in high school. 
Uh, he's a Mr. Football, Mr. Basketball. That's that's incredible talent. He played great at Gonzaga, made big shots at Gonzaga, was a floor general there. I saw him during his freshman year, and Mark Few could not have more positive things to say about him on and off the court. And he's the type of player that would, I think, benefit from guys like Vucevic and DeRozan. And if you could somehow swing a deal for a team that is so guard-heavy right now. And Anthony Black is kind of the same type of player right. in terms of, like, you know, the floor general type player. That's what Jalen Suggs is. But now he's coming off the bench. You know, maybe he wants to kind of get an opportunity to be a starter again. I think, let's say the Bulls don't re-sign both White and Dosumu. And all of a sudden, you know, maybe you can swing to try to get a player like that back. I don't know if Orlando would make the trade to the Bulls specifically, but I, I feel like that's a type of player that you do want. That's what we were talking about with Russell Westbrook last year. That's what Pat Beverly was, you know, kind of a floor general leader type. Even if he's not going to be your highest scorer or your biggest assist guy, it's something that the Bulls could use. Yeah, and Orlando owes the Bulls after all they got from the Butchovich trade. <laughs> These they, last couple of years. They, they should okay. try to help us out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned uh, – Stacy being high on Suggs, he also really likes Kobe White. We've all seen the videos and the, and the photos of Kobe White working working really hard this summer on his ball handling, which he did last year as well. And, you know, is it time to commit to Kobe White as your starting point guard? I know Billy had always been reluctant to do that, but he saw signs of growth this year in terms of making decisions on the court, being better on the defensive end, where I think that they might be willing to do that. I mean, Patrick Beverly by all indications, he's going to price himself out of the Bulls' Probably, range. Probably, yeah. So he's unlikely to come back. Would you be okay with Kobe White being uh, the starting point guard on day one? It's it's probably not like the first preference, and that's strictly based off of just past results. So not the first preference, but that doesn't – I can't speak to his future. And what we have seen is what you guys talked about, what Stacy was harping on all year, and he was right from the start – Indiana just got their pick in. It's another Surprise player from France. There, yeah. That's Bilal the Koulibaly. teammate of Wembenyama. Yep. Same team the, from the Metropolitans in France. And athletic forward, 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, and uh, the, the Pacers were looking to add. You know, they've they've got an interesting roster as well. Benedict Matherin was a very good rookie yep. for them last year. And, of course, Tyrese Halliburton is an all-star last year. They've got uh, – they committed to Miles Turner, Turner in the middle. So it's a team that has some potential. This is a bit of a reach pick, but we'll see if it pays off for them. It, it feels like once you get past the first five, you know, in this particular draft, now you're – it's not – I don't necessarily say they're all reaches, but now you're starting to get very into very specific skill sets. But uh, like you were talking about, like I, I, what you said and what Stacy talked about from the start of the year, he's right about growth. You know, the growth was there, and – I think our perception of young players in the NBA has been shifted so much in the last 20 years, right? Because if you're not, if you're, if you're, if you get picked in the top five, especially or whatever it may be, right away you're expected to contribute, right? And if you're not, then you're a bust. Like that seems to be the mentality now. And and Stacy kept saying the phrase a lot this season: you got to let players develop. Kobe White was a great example of it, and to try to temper some of the expectations and criticisms of Patrick Williams, who was in his third year, but has really only played two full seasons in the NBA because of the injury, the wrist injury that, that he suffered in his second season. So, like, you're trying to temper some of that stuff, and you're trying to evaluate more based on what you've seen and what growth you've seen. And if if it's a last resort, let's call it for the time being, if the last resort was Kobe White becomes your point guard, that's not a bad last resort. Is it my preference? No, because I really think he's still developing as a shooting guard. I think he he's really valuable as a shooting guard. Defense has been much much better, so that doesn't 
I'm not worried about him on the defensive end. I think he's gotten better at a good pace. It's the offensive end that I'm concerned about in terms of consistency, and I'd rather have him stay in one slot, one job, to try to be as consistent as possible rather than jump him into another you know, spot as the point guard. That's a, we have a trade now, too, of that number seven pick. Bilal Koulibaly got picked by the Pacers, and he just got traded to the Wizards. Yeah, there had been some talk that uh, San Antonio was trying to get a second pick to put the two French teammates together, sure. but obviously that, that didn't work out. But the Wizards are going to be a team that's very active, and since they're going on the long the long slog rebuild, here's a young guy that maybe can pay off into being a really good player down the road. Yeah. So we're seeing some movement. Hopefully we'll see the Bulls get involved at some point during this first round today. You know, you look ahead, free agency comes right on the heels of the draft, and the Bulls will have the mid-level exception, which has been upgraded to about $12.4 million, and the biannual exception, which is at $4.5 million. There's some talk that maybe the Bulls won't use the full value of that because they don't want to get into the luxury tax. But, you know, we can't we can't do business for them. But there are shooters available that the Bulls could certainly use. You know, a guy like Max Struess, who's a free agent who the Bulls had at one point, local guy who uh, went to Miami and, and really has made a name for himself, Gabe Vincent, who played so well for them in the playoffs, is also a free agent, a guy who's a bit of a combo guard but could run the point for you. Where do you think their priorities are going to be, Adam, in terms of uh, free agency? Of shooting? I think it's shooting at the top of the list because I – mean, and obviously there's a lot of holes that need to be filled. It feels like based on the personnel, based on Lonzo Ball, you know, not playing more than likely for most of the year, if not the entirety of the season – and not knowing if you're going to have Kobe White or Io Dosumu, you, you don't know necessarily the personnel that you have. So one of the easiest things to at least look at was you have to improve three-point shooting. I'm not saying you have to be the Houston Rockets and take 40 a game. You don't have to do that, but you can't take 30. You have to be able to generate opportunities to get an extra point because the Bulls lost a lot of close games this year. And they blew games where they had leads that come down to the wire. And games are one of the margins by basically the league average. The league average is 36%, taking about 35 threes a game. And you have to at least be closer to that. And the Bulls were not close enough to those things this season. So there's, you know, Will Barton is out there. You know, Karis LeVert is out there uh, as a potential shooter, as a backup guard. Seth Curry. Seth Curry is one of the great in terms of percentages, one of the best three-point shooters ever. You know, he's not as as prolific as his brother Steph, but he's incredibly efficient. Uh, George Niang. I don't think you go like to Oladipo. I'm not, you know, there's the shooting guard list is is getting a little bit shorter. Uh, you know, Nikhil Alexander Walker doesn't really do it for no. me. Terrence Davis doesn't really do it for me, even though I think Davis was a decent defender uh, when he was in Sacramento. So, you know, there are a couple names out there, but. A veteran shooter is probably something you need to have. Somebody who's going to play some defense for you and give you at least 20 minutes a night and be able to shoot 38, 39% from three-point range. The Bulls desperately need that. You know, Patrick Williams was one of their best three-point shooters, and he kind of tailed off at the end. Kobe's a hot, streaky shooter, but he's not. he wasn't consistent enough. Uh, and Zach Levine, you know, he you can't just it can't just be threes with Zach. You want him to go to the line. You want him to go to the rack, and you want him to attack as much as he can too, so. Yeah, we mentioned some of the trades that were made in the last couple of days. How about the Celtics getting Kristaps Porzingis for? You know, they did give up Marcus they gave Smart, Marcus Smart to, to you know, former Defensive Player of the Year, but they also got two picks in the in the trade. Yeah. They got the best player in the deal and two first round draft picks. Sometimes, sometimes that's a case of the rich getting richer. I, it feels like it, but they, they're also looking for the final piece, right? To to win, and their final piece could be 
some consistency at a big spot. Because William Robert Williams, I think, is a really good young player, but he's not going to give you a whole lot offensively. He's a rebounder and a great shot blocker and a good defender. You can leave him at the five and now make Porzingis a really tough matchup at the four. Al Horford's a really strong veteran player who's been good just about every year, and he's always going to end up hitting some big shots for you in the playoffs, and he's always going to make a big play for you late in the game. He just happens to be able to do that for a long period of time. But I think the roster makeup of that group, if they have a point guard, they just need somebody to be able to get Tatum and Brown the ball at the right time. What we talked about earlier rings true for a lot of teams is do you trust the point guard to get the ball to the right spot late in a game, late in a close game? And if you get that, then you're probably okay. And I think Boston needs that, and I think they'd be fine. They'd be a, a, another, I don't know if it's necessarily the favorite, but they'd be one of the two or three favorites in the Eastern Conference game. The latest pick, uh, Jerace Walker, the selection made by Washington, but I assume that's going to Indiana. That's going to Indiana. Yep, so he's a forward out of University of Houston, very athletic guy, kind of a combo forward, kind of a Patrick Williams type, but a little more powerful, I think, than Patrick. It'll be interesting to see where he fits, but uh, Indiana was in the market for a guy who could play the four position, and I think Walker fits there. A very explosive guy that can attack the rim. That was a position that they were weak at because Turner's a strong center. They're, we mentioned it. They're guard heavy. With, you know, Halliburton's locked down the point guard position. They have a really good backup point guard, or at least had one, TJ McConnell. Uh, you mentioned Matherin. They've got young talent on that roster, but the four spot is probably where they were lacking. They're okay on wings and guards and at the five. So what do you think about Memphis? Obviously, the news came last Friday. John Morant, the 25-game suspension. They trade Tyus Jones in that in that multiple-team deal, but they get Marcus Smart back, who will you know, hold down the fort until Morant comes back, and then they'll have a combination lineups with the two of them together. They're going to say goodbye to Dylan Brooks. It's kind of a weird mix there. They'll get Steven Adams back from injury. They look like a team that was poised to maybe contend in the Western Conference, and they took a huge step back last year. Morant was hurt a lot, which obviously impacted them. But Jaron Jackson, the Defensive Player of the Year, the former Michigan State star, is is Memphis still in the discussion in the West, or have they fallen off? No, I think they're still in the discussion because they'll get Morant back. Smart is a good pickup for them for the as a. No, I I don't even want to call him a stopgap because I think he'll be a contributor all season, no matter what. He'll just be in that point guard role. They're fine without John Morant. You know, they've played a lot of games the last two years without John Morant. What killed them was Adams being hurt. When Steven Adams got hurt, that's when things really went downhill for them. Now, what is what are they going to feel like? How are they going to feel about Morant next year? You know, has that disrupted the chemistry of that group? That's a real question. That's a legitimate question. That was a problem, supposedly, in the locker room where Steven Adams was trying really hard to you know, kind of play the leadership role. And he is a veteran on that roster, and he is a, a dominant uh, presence both on and off the court, I would say. Right. So that's somebody that I would listen to and certainly not somebody that I would uh, want to run into in, the, in a back alley if I, and I had upset him at any point. But I feel like that's when they really struggled, when they lost a little bit of the leadership of Moran and when he's off the deep end doing whatever it is that he's doing, you know, and nobody's paying attention to Steven Adams. I think there's a lot of strife in that locker room that's going to need to be solved. Maybe Marcus Smart is a good salve to try to get them into a good place, but talent-wise, they're still there. You know, they, they still have shooting. Uh, they get they improved it at the trade deadline when they got, Mar- uh, what was it, Luke Kennard. Losing Tyus Jones is tough because he did such a good job when Morant was out, but that's why you get Marcus Smart. I still feel like talent-wise, they're one of the best teams, and they got better defensively. You know, now you have two defensive players of the year, the last two, on your roster, both at the point and at the rim, but you know, arguably best shot blocker in the league, Jaron Jackson. So 
I still think talent-wise, they're one of the best teams in the Western Conference. We do the show live on YouTube every week. Uh, you can join us on the live chat as well. We've got a celebrity on the chat right now, a guy by the name of Stacy King. Oh, buddy. You said Code Blue, Whispers is down. Is Whispers still alive? Hey, I'm with the, the What do you got to say back? I'm with though? the best in the business here. We're doing the NBA draft. I'm going to start stepping on your guys' toes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Maddie, we're going to have to give Stacy a call. Try to try to get him uh, on the line. <laughs> Matt, 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 Tim, you're allowed to talk. Yeah, that's, so that, that's the job for the Sriracha crew. We got, we got to get Stacy uh, on here to Salem. No, no. Uh, St- well, he is on the he is on the chat though. So, well, speaking of one of the things he was uh, talking about with the whole Memphis thing, he thought that the Bulls should grab Dylan Brooks. He was a fan. I mean, he's a fan of how Dylan Brooks plays. And Dylan Brooks is another streaky, really streaky three-point shooter, but he gets really hot, and he can he can carry you for a, a couple quarters in a game from the three-point line, but it only happens once you know, every couple of weeks. Defensively, he's really, really good until you get him into matchups that don't favor him. That was the big problem with Brooks, because most matchups he's going to – he plays very well, and he's got the foot speed to keep up with most guys. He struggles with ultra-athletic players – he struggles with guys that have a little bit of physicality or size to him that work in the post. He's not a great post defender. I think he's a better perimeter defender than he is a post defender. Now, I, I shouldn't say he's a bad perim- uh, post defender. I think he's better on the perimeter than he is in the post. And, you know, are, is that good enough for you when three out of every four nights he's going to have an okay defensive night and one out of every four he's going to have an okay shooting night? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's worthy of taking a flyer on based on all the – you know, kind of attitude and, you know, what he was talking, you know, the way he was talking and, you know, that, that turned a lot of players off around the league. I, I, I had a couple conversations with some players that I'm, I'm friendly with and kind of said the same thing. Like, we don't, like, you haven't done anything, you know, and I'm sure part of that is just Memphis Grizzly fatigue. So he, wherever he goes, he's going to kind of carry that baggage with him. But in terms of quality of player, like there are nights where he's, you know, the best player on the floor for two quarters. They, uh, and that that's happened a couple times. The Bulls have seen good of him and, and the bad of him when, when they played the Grizzlies too. So it's an interesting proposition. I don't know if I'm fully sold on it, but I think you can, I think there's a case to be made. He might be due for a reset. Maybe, maybe if see maybe a change of scenery does him well, you know, I, mm-hmm. I know that's kind of a cliche term we use sometimes, but sometimes that's all you need. You know, you don't like how many of us have been in a job where we're just like, nah, nah, I don't like my boss. I don't like the coworker. I don't like the structure of the organization that I work for. And then you go to another place, go, yeah, I like this job better. Even if, you know, the pay is the same, but I like the co or, you know, the boss, or I like these coworkers. Or I like the health plan or whatever it is. Like you find reasons to be happy in certain places and you find reasons to be upset. And he seems like he's not happy in Memphis, probably because of his own doing. Maybe anywhere he goes, it's enough. You know, just a, a change of scenery is enough to make you feel a little bit more comfortable. And hopefully right out of the gate, you want to make a good impression. You want to have, you know, you want to have good performances. So your new team, your new job, you know, your new coworkers like you and appreciate you and respect. Yeah, he would get that in Chicago because everyone loves coming here. Everyone loves it. You've well, talked to you, you, Timmy. Timmy's a walking example of it. Well, right. Tim is a boss. He's he's the one who's usually on the other end of people sniping at him. Right? And, oh, and that's why, that's why I'm looking is for this a new why, job is this, every day. Is this is this why <laughs> Timmy is quiet because he he doesn't know what to do without Stacy busting on him every four minutes? Is that well, what I it think is? that's yeah. part of it? Okay. Come on, throw some shots at me, Adam. I'm not. I'm just. I'm not good at it, man. I <laughs> leave at least a throat I, punch. I, I leave it. I leave it to my guy to to be the the soft hearted, you know, 
chops buster. And I just come in for the residuals. That's fine. Not even the threat of a throat punch. I'm not great at it. I have no power behind any type of (laughs) punch I'm going to give. Well, one of the questions on the chat is, uh, give me a reason to be optimistic about the Bulls for this season. I'm sure the audience here at McGonagall's is feeling the same thing. Give us a reason to be optimistic. 40 and 42. They did finish 14 and 9 down the stretch after they added Patrick Beverly. With good health, is this a team that can make that move into the top six in the East? I think it's going to take some roster help. I, th- I still think you need roster help. I-, I don't think this was a complete team really at any point last year because you didn't have, you know, Io played so well as a rookie and he started out okay, but, you know, he hit a little bit of a wall as a point guard. He started to get a little bit exposed at times defensively. You know, he's still a really quality player. And again, another offseason. And again, this is off the assumption that he comes back. Uh, I'm not. I'll I'll assume Io and Kobe are coming back strictly because they're restricted free agents, not unrestricted. So just let's just operate in that sense right now. The roster is good. It's still several steps away from being a championship roster, and it's still a step or two away from being a top six team. I think that's where they're at right now. There's a lot of time. It's not opening night yet. Even if nothing happens tonight, I would love. You know, the Bulls are the front office is going to speak today right. which is which right. was a little bit of a surprise to me knowing that they're closed vest you know close to the best nature of you know how this front office has been and that's fine i've no i've said this before i don't care that the front office doesn't go out and say something every week i don't need them to but it is nice once in a while to feel like that there's some kind of plan in place it's hard to put a plan in place on draft night itself because you're still trying to evaluate what the rest of the league has after all any other trades are made you're still trying to evaluate i would like to know that all right we have a lot of time before opening night. You know, it's still three, four, sorry, four months away at this point, less than a little less than four months away. You still have time to make something happen for your roster. And I think a couple of steps are enough in the Eastern Conference in the middle of the pack to be able to get into the top six. Miami was fighting for a top six spot. They fell in to the play-in tournament, but they were still fighting for a top six spot for a good portion of time. Same deal with a team like Atlanta. They were still fighting to be into the top six. They ended up in the play-in. You know, not a lot separated six through 11, it felt like, over the course of the last Yeah, you, you got know, New York and Cleveland that are, that are strong teams that's, in the middle. That's four or five, you know, New York and Cleveland. But do you have full faith that they're going to do exactly what they did this past year? Is New York going to look the same way they did this past season? Are they going to end up making some they, moves? They have the potential yeah. to make some moves because they have – a number of additional draft picks that they yeah. picked up from Dallas in the Porzingis trade. Uh, they've got picks coming from Washington as well. So, you know, they, they could make a major trade. That's why there were a lot of rumors of potentially about them being interested in Zach Levine because they have the combination of young players and picks that could maybe put together an attractive package enough to entice the Bulls to make that type of trade. That was one of the t- – there, there was a – you know, when you're in the position that the Bulls are in and you're a fan – of a, of a team that's in the in the in a similar position where you don't really have a lot of um, you know room to make a ton of moves or 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 even in a position like the Bulls are in where you don't have a draft pick or you don't have a lot of like capital to be able to make a move you start looking at potential scenarios and draft partners I saw a proposal that was intriguing in terms of Warriors Knicks Bulls. And the Bulls would end up with a player like an R.J. Barrett, a Mitchell Robinson, four first-round picks, Jonathan Kuminga. All that sounds very attractive. Suddenly you get a little bit more depth in your front court. 
But you'd have to give up Zach Levine. You'd have to give up DeMar DeRozan. You'd have to give up Alex Caruso. So, in effect, you're starting over. So, But it's not as if you're just trading for draft capital. You are trading for some players that have some kind of established skill set. Yeah, Barrett was the third pick in the draft. Barrett was number three after Zion or after Zion and Ja. Yeah. And Obi, uh, you know, let's say Obi Toppin is in the mix. That's a guy who made a lot of improvements this year and got a little bit more playing time. A little Kuminga bit more was a top ten pick. Kuminga was a top ten pick that shows a lot. It hasn't scratched the surface yet. Now that's a project. But I do feel like it's one that has some upside and some, you know, decent ceiling to it. And now all of a sudden you've reset your your draft capital to have first round picks over the next four years. But you're giving up a, 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 the chunk of your team that you could rely on for something. You could always rely on Caruso for defense. You could always rely on Levine and DeRozan for scoring. And now all of a sudden you're you're taking that away, and you have to redefine a lot of roles. And you have to resign. But you have draft you have you have draft capital, and you have cap room to now be able to go out and maybe sign a couple of free agents but you are restarting it's not a rebuild that is a true re- reload that's a restart and you're starting hotter off the blocks than you would if you were doing what Oklahoma City San Antonio Houston have done in the last few years to try to reset their whole organization another question from the chat people are wondering about Lonzo Ball we don't know if he's ever going to be able to play NBA basketball again he just had a very a uh, difficult procedure where they actually did transplanted some cartilage, I believe, which has got to be very difficult to, to come back from. No one's ever supposed, you know, Festus Azili, yeah. I think was the name, right, Mark, that the last yeah. player to have that procedure, and he never came back to the NBA. So at some point, do you think the Bulls will pursue some salary cap relief from the league uh, in order to try to get that off their books? Yeah, they, there's something called a, a disabled player exception, I think, or something. I, I may be getting the the acronym incorrect, but it's uh, it's basically the the players union has to approve of it first and foremost because the players union's job is to make sure that the player is in okay shape. But it happens when a player has been out for exactly a calendar year based on injury that might be considered to be catastrophic, and obviously never playing again or maybe not playing for a three or four year period is probably falls into the category of catastrophic. So you can get some of that salary back. Lonzo would still make a portion of what he's owed, and he's already made 40, I think 40 over the last two years. It's an $80 million contract. So he'd still get a portion of that that he's owed. So you can take care of the player. For him to come back eventually, you'd still have to go through a lot of rigors of the process of, of the Players Association, the Players Union. But it's there. It's an option. It is there. And I think the next time or maybe a couple of updates from now, whenever Lonzo Ball's health is updated, maybe now you start to look at something like that if you are you know, the front office. If it's if it's not just he's not going to play this year, but he, he may not play for two years or he may not play again, now all of a sudden you get into that discussion and it is a possibility. You know, Stacy wasn't able to make it out here today, but he's on the chat and he's running into some problems. Uh, people are asking him, Stacy, how do I get a job as executive vice president of the Bulls? Uh, I don't think you can go to Indeed and, and apply for that. Uh, yeah, or well, LinkedIn. Mon- or- yeah, does Monster.com have an uh, opening for that? I don't know. <laughs> Stacy's answering all the questions on the chat. He's uh, he's probably bored, too, as he's watching the draft. I mean, you know, it's it's the Bulls are just in a tough spot. I mean, you know, if, for those of us who cover the team closely, everyone says, well, why don't they make a big trade? You don't want to trade for 50 cents on a dollar and then be even worse off than you were before you made a trade just to, just to have player movement. Yeah, yeah. they've done that. 
That's happened in the right. past. That's happened in front offices past. That's happened with teams in this city in, in years past. It's it's not a not a fun thing to to have to sit through as a fan, and certainly not as a as a person who works in a front office or works for an organization. Obviously, that's that's difficult. I do feel like there's a you're kind of doing a cost benefit analysis consistently. Every time there's a move made, every time there's a trade offered, every time there's a you know a pick on the board or something like that, you're always doing cost benefit analysis and. You know, let's say you you can get eighty cents on the dollar for Demar Derozan. Is that worth worth it to this front office to be able to get some player movement? You know, can, are you going to get what's valued? You know, the Bradley Beal trade you mentioned this earlier, Mark, is it, it does it really set the market because of how unique the situation is with Phoenix and Washington specifically? I don't know if that necessarily sets the market. I still feel like if if if, and it's the biggest if. I just don't. I I'm not personally feeling like it's about to happen. If you were to trade Zach Levine, I still feel like you would get and be worthy of getting back a major, major haul. That I think two first-round picks is not out of the question to ask for a max player. And to have, in addition to that, an, I think what, they, what, what, the, what the rumors were was an established veteran or a young, talented prospect. I don't think that's out of you're asking too much, especially if you're a championship or a team that has championship hopes and you're maybe a, st- a piece or two away but you need an elite piece like that's that shouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to try to make sure you get a proper haul back for a player like a Zach Levine who has he's already an established scorer. You need that if you're a championship team. We should point out with the new collective bargaining agreement coming into place on, on July 1st when the new league year begins. It's really changing the way teams have looked at roster construction. You don't want those three huge contracts anymore like you could basically handle in the past. And that's why the Bulls, if they wanted to make a major trade, are kind of a year too late. Remember the hauls that Utah got for both Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert? Sure. I mean, just the Donovan Mitchell trade. They got Lowry Markkinen, Colin Sexton, Oche Abadju is going to be really good. Sure. Like four first-round draft picks. Yeah. And then Gobert, to, who to me is just a guy, they got three players and five picks. I mean, so, you know, those kind types of deals aren't available like they were last year because you look at – you know, a Bradley Beal, of course, that was a big contract. Phoenix didn't didn't really want to take on all that money and give up a lot in return. It's just right now the money is playing such a big factor in these trades that you're not getting excellent value on these return for all-star players. Yeah, and that's, and that's why you consider trying to get as many picks as possible because now, again, this is also – it's still a, a draft-based league, right? Because there's only so many gravitational players – in this league, there's, I've said this for years. It's been the case for a decade. In the LeBron Curry era, there's 25 generational, sorry, gravitational players in this league. Guys that have an elite talent for a specific thing are really, really good overall or two-way players. There's not that many of them in the league. In a league of 400 to 500 some, some odd people, you know, there's 25, 20, maybe 15 gravitational players. And could you claim that Zach Levine is that? Yeah, you could definitely make that case that he is that player. Right now they're showing because Orlando's got right. the Orlando's Bulls pick coming up. Pick yeah, they're I saw the Bulls logo come up and I thought maybe we had a trade. The Bulls are getting into this year's draft. But no, they're showing the trade for March of 21. The trade. There was a bit of a pick in the, with the number 10, Kaysan Wallace, the guard from Kentucky, going to the Mavericks. Yep. The Mavericks, of course, are in a unique situation with the whole Kyrie Irving thing. Will he return or will he not? The Magic making their pick at number 11. Hey, they're a little bit of a surprise there. Jet Howard 
Jawan Howard's son, who played for him at the University of Michigan, he got off to a great start in the Big Ten, but kind of faded a little bit as the Wolverines fell completely out of tournament contention. Uh, Jed Howard going to Magic, and again, another guard going to Orlando. They they have a overload at that position. Clearly, they have to do something to rebalance that roster because, you know, you can only collect. We talked about Oklahoma City earlier. Orlando's in that same situation. So many young players competing for minutes. It's just tough to get all those guys on the court. Yeah, I, I don't know how they're going to try to navigate through this unless it is starting to make some moves. And now, again, where is Orlando? I, I don't know. Not the state, the actual location. I, I don't know where they <laughs> You've are. You've been to Orlando. I've been to Orlando. Magic uh, Kingdom, you know, that whole thing, I'm, Disney World. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where they are in terms of like their organizational philosophy. Are they thinking like, because they've been in rebuild mode for a few years now, you know, even and and even before the Vucevic deal, you know, because they were a team that made the playoffs uh, in the bubble. You know, they they I think they took a game from uh, I can't remember it was was Milwaukee. That's right, they won the first game Mm -hmm. against Milwaukee, and they've done that a handful of times. Vucevic won a couple of playoff games when he was in Orlando. I just don't know where what their organizational philosophy is right now. Do they feel like, all right, we've tried to rebuild the last two years? Or, or is it like the Oklahoma City of the Eastern Conference where now we have you know, assets to deliver? Do we try to cash in on it now or are we still playing some kind of long game? Remember, Franz Wagner's great. You're going to have to pay that kid in a, in a year probably if you, you know, when he's a restricted free agent or two years. Like, you're going to have to pay him at some point. Cole Anthony's going to be off the books. Jalen Suggs, you're going to have to pay him if you want to hold on to him, if you're not going to deal uh, deal him. You know, what are you going to do with some of these younger guys that are going to be off their rookie contracts? And are you just going to keep backfilling with, you know, hopefully what you have is good draft picks? Are you going to keep backfilling or are you going to make a move at some point to try to build for it? Yeah, that's a team that definitely looks like to be in position to try to acquire a veteran player by combining some of the young guys. Remember, Jonathan Isaac came back. He was a highly regarded player, a lottery selection, missed almost two years because of a devastating knee injury. And, and he's a guy that's uh, struggling to find minutes on the court. You yep. mentioned Franz Wagner, the former Bull, of course, Wendell Carter Jr., who went over there in the Vucevic trade and has played very well for Orlando. Uh, they unloaded Mo Bamba, the Lakers. I mean, they, they've made so many picks of guys that were highly touted college players. At some point, they're going to have to trade from that surplus. And then, you know, people are – if the Bulls don't aren't able to get a draft pick today or don't make any trade, don't close the door on the possibility that they can't make a deal either before July 1st or at any point during the summer for some of these young teams that have a surplus of players at that position. And a guy like Jalen Suggs, if the Bulls are looking to upgrade at the point guard position, we talked about him earlier, that's a guy that who could very well come available at some point this summer. I, I don't doubt that that's – that. I, I bet the Bulls aren't the only team that's – Right. tracking that though you know they, they a lot of organizations a lot of teams a lot of front offices are going to be looking at the exact scenario you laid out to say like how about this kid how about right. this guy who's shown flashes of being a talented aggressive leader that can make big shots when you need him to yeah we could get Suggs and that bag of doritos back that stacy's always talking about where is that yeah what that <laughs> Where is that bag of Doritos, by the way? Because that wasn't on it the board. Good. The bag was, of Doritos sounds great. That was supposed to be on that list because uh, I'm pretty sure that was part of the deal, the bag of Doritos. This is this must be a delicious bag, a magical bag of Doritos. <laughs> Stacy's still fighting with people on the YouTube chat. He's oh, fighting yeah, yeah, them yeah, off yeah. left and right. <laughs> yeah. Now he's saying, honestly, you're going to make a decision. It's either Zach or DeMar have to be traded. You know, the thing about Stacy, he's really loyal to the guys. You know, he's never going to come out and say, this guy should be traded. We were talking about Derrick Rose. We had David Kaplan on last week. Yeah. And 
And uh, Stacy again was on the chat because he's under the weather, and, and he said, to "Ask Cap what he thinks about Derrick Rose." And he goes, "Well, I, I think it'd be great if they bring him back for a day to retire his number or whatever." Yeah. And Stacy goes, "No, as a player, he said, he's done. He's finished." <laughs> and that's that's the whole thing. I, I you know, as a as a guy that I mentioned that how special the Derrick Rose draft was. It would be fanta- a fantastic story if Derrick Rose could come back here, play for a season, and play at a, at a meaningful level. Yeah. But, you know, if Tom Thibodeau isn't playing Derrick Rose in New York, mm-hmm. then, you know, you wonder how much is left in the tank for D. Rose. And obviously when he does decide to hang it up, there will be a day at the United Center. I don't know. You know, there's a debate about whether his number should be retired or not, but they will honor Derrick Rose. Yeah, yeah. I just don't see a sure. scenario where he would come back and, and be a meaningful player for the Bulls. I mean, game. he played 27 games last year. He played 25 or 26 the year before that, you know, and it's and that's Tibbs. And now Tibbs is also notorious for tight rotations. He's very picky when it comes to who he plays, as, as we know in Chicago. You guys have seen it, and he's been that way in New York. There has been several stories the last few years of, well, the rotation's tightening up again. These are the eight men, and Evan Fournier's the the odd man out, or uh, play. You know, this guy's a Emmanuel quickly's in the doghouse, so he's not going to play for a little. Whatever it may be, you know, the, the, those stories have popped up in New York a bunch. And you have to be a very specific type of player to play for Tibbs. I do think Derrick Rose would take an opportunity to play if you could guarantee him that he'd be like playing twenty minutes a night or something along those lines in Chicago, and it is, in his mind, like, towards the end. I do feel like he'd be willing to come back and play meaning, what, what we would consider to be meaningful basketball as a good backup and as a player that's going to be, you know, a, a mentor to some guards, whatever the, the young players may be on this roster. But you also can't guarantee that he's going to score eight points and give you four assists in the 20 minutes he's going to play because he hasn't really been able to do that consistently in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mentioned this on last week's show that uh, one of the games, the Knicks and the Cavaliers, the Knicks blew them out one game in Madison Square Garden, and the fans were chanting for Derek to come in. And it was it was kind of sad. It was it's almost like you remember Brian Scalabrini when he was here. The you know, it was like the yeah, cigar. but I, I think I think those are definitely different scenarios. I th- I think the love that Derek gets is is worthy of his play. You know, it's it's been because of his play. I then think he came in the last two minutes time. and missed four shots and was like, well, that oh, yeah, that, well, but that I don't I don't that, I think that's easy to be like, oh well, he's breaking now. Was it? No, he hasn't played. You know, he's, no, he's yeah, on the he's bench. He's been just sitting rusty, on the, yeah, yeah, he's just rusty. He's been sitting on the bench. Um, I I I feel like they're. You know, Stacy said, like, there's a lot of gas in the tank for, for Rose. He may believe there's more than I do, but I do believe there's something left. And he you just, can get Stacy just chimed in. Rose has a lot left in the tank with three <laughs> he, he said, He <laughs> said, keep sleeping on him. It's like, again, we may differ in, in terms of how much we believe in Rose, but we both believe it. I still believe there's something there that you can kind of pull out of him that has some significant value to it. Well, the Bulls are obviously going to add to this roster. I mean, they've got spots to fill. There's going to be some. There's going to be some more movement. They've got a couple of guys on non-guaranteed contracts, and again, they're going to be trying to free up money so that they can bring in some shooting. Do you think there's a scenario where Patrick Beverly returns? I, I, I think you're right. I think he's going to price himself out of of Chicago, and there's going to be another organization out there that probably needs a player like that. Like that's one thing. Like. Patrick Beverly, and I've, I've seen him talk about this with young players, like young, like high school kids at like camps and stuff like that. And he's basically said, like, 
find your role in the league and be the best at your role in the league. Not everybody is Steph Curry. Not everybody is LeBron. Not everybody is Kevin Durant. As we said, there are 400-plus spots in the NBA for players to fill out. And only 20 to 25, 30 maybe are gravitational players. That's still 350-plus slots that need to be filled with people that can do the job. The rest of it is the job. Some of these guys are so talented and they're so generationally gifted that we just marvel at them and go, oh, well, that's just what everybody does. No, those guys do that for a very specific reason. They're they're him. They're different. You know, there's only so many guys that are different in this league. You have to be able to do the jobs on the periphery. And Patrick Beverly, the reason he keeps making the money that he does, and the reason he keeps getting signed, and people are like, oh, is he a bad teammate? He keeps getting to go in all these places. No. Guys like playing with Brett, Pat Beverly for the most part. I'm sure there are plenty of players that don't like playing with him, but that's every player. But a lot of guys seem to like playing with him, and it's because he fills a role that on your team that needs to be filled, and there are organizations out there that are going to be able to fill, that are going to bring him in to try to fill that role. Adam Amin, kind enough to join us tonight. He's filling in for Stacey King, who's under the weather. And, you know, you've been so busy calling football on Fox, calling baseball on Fox. What do you make of what's going on around the majors? Uh, the, the Cubs are showing some signs of life right now. They're over in London uh, playing the Cardinals in a two-game series. Um, you think the Cubs have some staying power in the National League Central? I think they do. Uh, they're playing much better as of late, like you talked about. They've got enough of a starting rotation uh, in terms of quality pitching right now that can carry them for a little while. I'll be curious to see what they do at the deadline. Are they going to be in it? Are they going to trade Marcus Stroman? Are they going to maybe trade Kyle Hendricks? Is Justin Steele going to be somebody that's up for grabs? Are they going to try to move some of the other guys that they've been able to pick up? Uh, I'll be curious to see how they play it. But I do feel like that division is so underwhelming. Milwaukee doesn't seem to have a whole lot of staying power. I don't know what a young team like Pittsburgh is going to be able to do. The Reds are super exciting, but... Young, exciting teams can fade in baseball over a three-week period. Bad three weeks, now the Reds are going to come back down to earth. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that can happen in, in underwhelming divisions. The Sox are dealing with it in the AL Central right now, too. I think the Cubs have staying power based on the division and based on what they have, but what's going to be the case six weeks from now, that's the big question. You had a chance to work on the Fox broadcast with a couple of guys who played baseball in Chicago. A.J. Przinski on the south side, Eric Karros, who played for the Cubs. Any stories you can you can share the, with our audience about uh, their times in Chicago and what they thought of the city? <laughs> uh, I know Eric, only who only played one year uh, with the Cubs, I think it was the 03 season when they went to the playoffs. He uh, he had a good time on uh, on Division Street. I think Is I can right? tell you that. I think that's that's about <laughs> as far as I, I'm willing to go. The same way I wouldn't throw Stacy under the bus, I wouldn't throw uh, right. my other partners under the bus either. But I mean, AJ. AJ's got a, a YouTube show now these days, yeah, too. He's, he's doing a great job with it with uh, Eric Kratz and uh, Todd Frazier also you know, had a short stint in Chicago. And, uh, you know, he's been he's been dishing out plenty of stories about the whole five White Sox in particular. My favorite one so far is Mark Burley uh, coming out of the bullpen drunk in a playoff <laughs> and pitching in a playoff game because relievers, for the most part, they're like, well, or, uh, or sorry, sorry, starting pitchers for the most part are like, all right, well, I pitched my game. Yeah, I'm not getting I'm off for the next four days. And no, Burley had a pitch on short notice out of the bullpen. It was hammered by apparently the sixth <laughs> inning. It was like, all right, I guess I got to go pitch in the eighth. So uh, I, I've been enjoying uh, AJ's show where he's been able to dish out some more of this stuff. Well, what do you think about not uh, getting the job as manager? I he'll he he says he'll never get the job 
uh, as long as Rick Hahn is in charge, because I, I just don't think he and Rick have a particularly great relationship. But he had a much better relationship with Kenny Williams. I don't think I'm telling any tales out of school here. I think this is fairly well known. Um, but if, if that group ever shifted, you know, I think AJ, I, I'm biased again. I'm, I know, I think Stacy would make a great NBA coach. I don't think he wants the stress and nor would I want that stress for him, right. but I think he'd make a great coach. I've said that about Steve Stone as a manager. And I think AJ Pruszynski would be a fabulous manager in major league baseball, but he'd only want to do it for a couple of places and Chicago being one of them. Uh, I just, and he just doesn't see it in the, in the cards with the, with the current front office and, I think any other organization that gave a you know took a flyer on him would would do just fine as well. We've had some picks made while we're talking about a number of different things. Derek Lively was taken by Oklahoma City, and then I saw he might be traded to Dallas. So you know we're getting to the point where you're going to be seeing a lot of wheeling and dealing because a lot of these guys are young players that may not project as guys who can help right away. And we've talked about the glut of players and young players on that Oklahoma City roster. You know they got the two Jalen Williams. We both played well for him last year. Uh, they've got a, a, a nice roster in the backcourt. You know, they, they could probably use a little bit of help up front and lively as a shot blocker, but we'll see where he winds up after after this deal is made. I think that now we're getting to the point where you're going to see a ton of movement because there are teams that have multiple selections and they can't use them all. I know Indiana's been very open about saying we can't use all those picks. Uh, you know, they made a trade where they sent – couple of picks to the world champion nuggets because uh you know they will take a future pick in exchange yeah i think there's a there's still a lot of movement that that's going to take place I'm, I'm a little i'm pleasantly surprised i am a little you know surprised at the amount of movement but i still expect more things to take place because based on what we've seen in the lead up to the draft and i'm sure what we'll see in the next couple of weeks going into free agency it seems like teams are more willing to make moves to try to hit a home run they're like we'll take the risk uh, you know, we'll take the big swing and risk striking out for the sake of maybe having the possibility to hit a big home run and try to try to get the right two or three pieces in place that now formulate what we perceive to be as a championship roster. You know, we do a segment here every week, uh, Adam, where we talk about some of our favorite shows, whether it's the streaming services, or regular TV. It's sponsored by our friends at Bigger's Mazda. Their sizzling new Elgin location at Randall Road is the biggest Mazda store in the state of Illinois. Biggers is offering a bottle of Stacy's Signature Hot Sauce with first test drives of new or pre-owned vehicles. It's your choice. Everything from the coolest SUVs to the stunning Miata. So join the fun at 2100 Randall Road in Elgin at Biggers Mazda. Tell them Stacy and Whisper sent you, and they, they might usher you off the property. I mean, I'm not sure. <laughs> Your buddy true. Jim Lecter. So That's he's, right. He's been a good sponsor of the show, so go out there and take a test drive and pick up a bottle of Stacy's Signature Sauce. Now, you're always so busy. Do you have time? Do you have any favorite TV shows or guilty pleasures I, that you can share with our audience? I'm, I'm watching uh, – I don't know if you guys watch uh, Apple TV. But I've, uh, I've been watching Platonic. It's fantastic. It's a really good show. I was going to mention that one today. I'm really a big fan of it. I love Seth Rogen. Rose Byrne and Seth Rogen were in the Neighbors movies together. Yeah. They're really, really good together. The writing is so good in there. It's the same group that did Neighbors. It, yeah. uh, I think it's a husband and wife that produce and write the show. It's really, really well done. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, I'm going to start the Bear season two. It just came out, obviously. Uh, I'm a big fan of the show. I, 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 it took me a while to get to it because I have like flashbacks because my parents owned an Italian beef restaurant. Is that right? When I was in <laughs> wow. uh, a teenager uh, in Lombard, Illinois, they okay. owned it. Was, and it was called Mr. Beef. Yeah. Just like on the Bear, it was, yeah. the, the, the store is called Mr. Beef. It's in River North. 
But the store that we owned in the suburbs was called Mr. Beef. And I worked there from 5 a.m. to noon most days during the summer. And it was right next to the DMV where I got my license. And I had to go pick up bread and make hot dogs, make pizza puffs, and make Italian beef sandwiches. And I have a lot of, like, weird kind of flashbacks to that now that I'm watching the bear. As I got distracted because uh, Grady Dick. You almost, you almost, you almost, you almost suffered a seizure from the, uh, is, from the is, lights on that suit. He's he says, the, I'm from Kansas, so he's wearing the Dorothy suit. The Dorothy, Dorothy suit. The Dorothy slipper jacket. suit. So where's he going? He's going to, to Toronto. And so I guess it's appropriate. He's wearing like Raptors colors essentially right now. So there's, nice no pla- there's, there's no place like Canada. I'll be fascinated to see if they can hold on to Fred Van Vliet, if they can re-sign him. Because yeah. that's, that's going to be one of the bigger moves in the NBA as well. Even if he, if, he, if he doesn't leave Toronto, that's still one of the bigger moves already in the NBA, depending on where Fred Van Vliet ends up. I, I, again, a player that I would love to see the Bulls take a swing at, but you're, it's a, big it's price a huge, there, it's yeah. too much of a contract to be able to take on. This is, this is Grady Dick earlier today, which I love. I love that yeah. our crew showed this uh, to us. <laughs> We're seeing the video of his outfit. Shoes. He's proud of it. He's even got his own logo now, the GD chain. So you got to be careful with those uh, letters. And he, yeah, not, not, not just the jacket, but the red bottom <laughs> shoes as well. That's, a, that's impressive. I, I respect the confidence, Yeah, if nothing else. Well, let, let's go back, talk about the bear. You know, the star character in there, of course, played Lip and Shameless. Yes. And... He won some awards for that part. Yep. I mean, if you watch the first two episodes of season one, that is an intense show. It is. It and, is. And the more humor came in as the season went along. I'll be curious to see what they do with him opening his own restaurant. I, I really like. Uh, I really like where they've gone with it so far. Like, I, there's a couple shows out there that that have hit me, and I think The Bear was one of them. Uh, there's a show called Shorzy that's also on Hulu that uh, that I'm a big fan of. It's only six episodes. It's a really easy watch about Canadian hockey players. It's a really funny show uh, that I, that I'm a big fan of. Platonic was great. Uh, I, I, I'm like a lot of people who just finished watching Ted Lasso, right? Yeah, like, I'm a huge fan of Ted Lasso, and I really enjoyed how they finished up that 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 storyline. Stacy so. always gives us some crazy shows. Well, yeah, I mean, I listen. From, I, I know he, from, he and Bra- he and Brady uh, are always texting about it in our group chat. Like they've turned me on to Snowfall a little bit. I haven't watched a ton of. I've watched like two episodes of it, but they're really enjoyable. Uh, we we're they're all watching Bel Air together when they made the remake, like the kind of dark remake yeah. of the Fresh Prince, which was really interesting. So. Yeah, we've got we've got our group chat is uh, it's interesting. I'll leave it at that because uh, we we just have like it, it's just a, a, an ongoing conversation with the three of us. Well, speaking of points. dark, Stacey was telling us about this Winnie the Pooh thing where they're actually uh, <laughs> murdering characters. They're out to destroy everybody. <laughs> Don't run into Eeyore. He's got an axe. <laughs> He's got an axe to grind. There's no Good question Lord. about that. So hey, here I'll set Tim up for this one. You know what I've been watching? Fubar. Oh. With Arnold. Oh, with, with Arnold oh, on yeah. Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> so the premise of that, that documentary is, is great. He too. and his daughter are both in the CIA and uh, unbeknownst to either one of them. And then they have to team up on a mission. It's it's very corny, but but just Arnold, you know, <laughs> trying to end. play the character. There's some humor in it. And it, it's kind of a fun show. It's an eight episode thing. Not a big commitment time wise. Hey, did you see the documentary, too? I haven't like, started. I think that it's yet. a four part. I've yeah. gone through the first three. What'd you think it's of that? A, it's excellent. That guy is a he's a piece of work. I mean, they, they go through the stages: the bodybuilding, the acting, and uh, it's, it's just three whole. The, yeah, it's three separate, three separate lifetimes that the guys basically lived while he after coming over to the United States. It's kind of incredible. Yeah. Somebody's trying to sell me on, on watching the four part Bill Bill Walton thing, the thirty for sure. thirties. Have you I, seen it? Any, I, 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 I watched seen that. Any, no. I, I was told I was told it's really good, but you know, you see Bill on the college broadcast now. 
and he's he's so over the top. I, I always felt bad for for Jason having to work with him. I mean, you can't. It's it's tough to stay on the game because he's like spraying to all fields at all times. Yeah, J- Jason's a unique character though because he can handle it really well. You know, like he handles it so well with with interesting. Like Dave Pash has worked with Bill yeah. oh, yeah. forever, and, and Dave's a good friend of mine. And you know, he's talked about you, know, you have to be a special. It's got it takes a special uh, mindset. To go in and do a broadcast with Bill Walton. They talk about his broadcasting career in the documentary. I heard an interview with the director of it. Uh, really good director. It's the same guy, I think, who contributed to who, who did Hoop Dreams. So it's okay. the same director. So this is a guy who knows the basketball world and did a really good job with it. So Bill's a, Bill's a, a wonderful person. Like he's, he's a, I feel terrible for him. Like he was just never meant to play basketball. You yeah. know, he had that his narrow, his, his narrow, he had narrow feet, which, you know, handling the load of weight that, it, that they had to, handle with him being as big as he was it causes problems from the ground up you know and i don't think i have to tell anybody who's even over the age of uh, 30 what that's like because i'm i'm in the same boat <laughs> it's like ground up you have to be you have to be in a decent enough shape and you know bill to his credit is uh has done a lot of great things in in his career and he's a good man and it's, he's always been a, a good guy to hang on well i'm old enough to remember his performance uh against memphis memphis state at that point where I think he made something like 22 of 24 shots from the field. Just, just incredible destroyed. college player. Yeah, they show that in the documentary. It's, yeah, it's, incredible college player. And then they do a tour of his house, and <laughs> that is something to see. Well, Every room is a out. different I'll band, and it's out. crazy. So I'm going to get out of here here in a couple minutes, and I, yeah. I wanted to say thanks to all of you guys, and thanks to McGonigal's out here, and, and the, thank wonderful, driver the, wonder, the wonderful crew who, who's here. And i got to thank Mike. Mike was nice enough to – to come pick me up and and again Stacy to his credit he, he knew he sprung it on me quick so he's like I'll have Mike pick you up at, at your place Windy. which I really really appreciate so thanks to Mike and and thanks to Windy City Limo providing championship service you can make a reservation it's easy you can let Windy City break the full core pressure of traffic and get to your destination in style and on time you can get Windy City Limousine at 847-916-9300 so again Mike was uh, was kind enough to come by and, and grab me and uh, he'll be nice enough to take me home so I appreciate Stacy and I appreciate Windy City Limo and thanks to you guys for for letting me let me jump in I was happy to to fill in for my uh, my good friend my my big brother Stacy well you're the best jumping in at the last minute to, yeah, to help thanks, us man. out with the show I want to thank the crowd here at McGonagall's being good sports yeah. as we watch we got, the we draft. We have a really together. good crowd too, like a really like a, a large crowd that actually showed up for this. I really appreciate that. We're gonna we got a couple of giveaways. We're gonna do that after we sign off with the show. Maybe do a trivia question or whatever to give away the basketball. But I want to thank everybody for coming out today. We'll have a brand new episode next week. So Ben, time to play our uh, getaway music. Thanks again for joining us on Give Me the Hot Sauce. Adam and me and our special guest. A brand new show coming up next week. We wish Stacy all the best. A quick recovery. Hopefully Stacy's back with us next week. And Stacy, you can stop fighting with the people on the chat. What are Big time players make big time plays. Give me that.